Philippians 1, from 1 to 6. And this is the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And the Philippian church was the first church that was founded by the Apostle Paul. If you look back in um, the book of Acts, in chapter 16, we can see that Paul wanted to go to Asia. (coughs) But the Holy Spirit stopped him from going. And then Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia pleading with him to come and to help them. So Paul gets onto the ship and immediately heads over for Philippi. And if you look up some of the commentaries and some of the theologians, they tell us that Philippi was a country that was mostly of Gentiles and pagans. So there wasn't many there that followed Jesus. There wasn't many there that actually knew who Jesus was. So Paul gets there and shares the gospel with them. He introduces them to this man, Jesus, who has transformed Paul's life. And so they believe and they accept everything Paul says. And the result was that Paul led many to Christ and the church was formed. And so here we are in the letter. It's ten years later since that has happened. And Paul is writing to them from a prison cell in Rome. And despite being in the midst of his hardship of being locked up, in the midst of being beaten up and not treated very well, in the midst of not having any freedom to go out and do what he knows and what he feels that God has called him to do. Despite all of this, Paul still writes a letter with such a positive attitude. He doesn't let his imprisonment stop him from reaching the church. He doesn't let the beatings stop him from preaching the gospel. He doesn't let the fact that he can't be physically with the church stop him from encouraging and edifying the people of God. Paul doesn't become bitter or angry at the church or even at God because it always seems to be him that gets locked up. It always seems to be him that's been put in prison and beaten up. But Paul writes this letter letter full of gratitude to them and he lets them know that he's so thankful to them. And that he has so much joy and so much encouragement towards them. So I'm just going to read the scripture. So I'm reading from the Passion Translation. So it's Philippians 1 to 6. From Paul and Timothy, both of us servants of Jesus, the Anointed One, to all his devoted followers in Philippi, including your pastors, and to all the servant leaders of the church. May the blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace that flow from God, our wonderful Father, and our Messiah, the Lord Jesus, be upon your lives. My prayers for you are full of praise to God, as I give him thanks for you with great joy. I'm so grateful for our union and our enduring partnership that began the first time I presented to you the gospel. I pray with great faith for you, because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now other translations say that I thank God every time I remember you. And other translations say, and he who began the good work will carry on to completion. But I just love the way the Passion Translation puts it, that this glorious work will be faithfully continued and that he, God, will put his finishing touches to it. You see, this letter shows us how grateful Paul is and how how overwhelmed he is every time he thinks of the church. He says to them, every time I think of you, 
Every time you pop into my mind, I begin to pray for you. Every time I hear your name mentioned, or every time the church is mentioned, it causes me to be overwhelmed with pride and joy. And I thank God for the work that he has begun in you. And I also thank God that he is faithful to bring it to completion. But we notice how Paul addresses the letter to all the devoted followers, including the pastors, the elders, and the church leaders. He's saying there's no seniority in the kingdom of God. No one is above another person. No one is more special to God than anybody else. Just because you're a pastor or a worship leader or a preacher or an evangelist, it doesn't make you any more special to God. You see, there are no favorites in the kingdom. We are all equal partners in this gospel together. And Paul makes a very bold statement to them. He says, I am confident. I am confident that the one who began the work in your life will complete it. He says, I'm 100% sure, with no shadow of a doubt, that God, the Father, who brought about this change in you, this renewing, this strengthening in your life, this outpouring of love, this rebuilding in your life, will fully complete it. You will not be left half-finished or left undone. You know how sometimes we just leave things half-finished or a little bit undone? You know, maybe you started a jigsaw, or maybe you picked up a book to read, or maybe you sat down to watch a film, and halfway through you think, oh, I'm too tired, I can't even watch this. I do that every week. I'm too tired, I can't watch this. I never get to the end of the film. I never complete the film. Or maybe in your house, you're doing some work in your house, and you have one room done, and you think, the other room looks filthy now. You're never finished. You're always going to be doing stuff. It could even be down to just cleaning up your house. You have small kids or grandkids, there's always toys on the floor. There's always a dinosaur or a car underneath the sofa. There's always little fingerprints on the mirror, no matter how many times you clean it. And you wipe it again and again, and then you just say, ah, what's the point? Should I go and have the fingers all over that mirror again in five minutes? So you just leave it, and it's undone. But thankfully, thankfully, God never does this. You see, he never says, there's nothing more that I can do with him. There's no more hope for her. He never says, and he never ever thinks, that mark is just too hard to remove. I'll just have to leave it there. God has never said, sure, there's no point, because they're going to do it again. You see, there's no mark, there's no stain, there's no hurt, there's no anger, there's no fear. There's nothing that he cannot remove, that he cannot heal, and he cannot rebuild. If we take a look at creation, for example, God finishes everything that he starts. You see, none of his work is ever half done. There's no mountain out there that's half built. There's no star in the sky that has pieces missing out of it, and it just looks all wobbly in the sky. It's a full star. It's a full mountain. It's completed. You see, the Bible tells us that God made the heavens and the earth. It doesn't say he's began to make the heavens. It doesn't say he made quarter of the earth where he got a little bit tired and left it. It says that he formed the sea and he formed the land. It doesn't say that he began to form the sea and he got a bit distracted but never came back to finish it off. It clearly says that he made the heavens and the earth. 
it clearly says he placed all the stars in the sky. He formed the seas and he formed the land. And then it clearly says that he looked at it and thought, well, that's good. Amen. And you see, if God took the time to complete a mountain or to complete a star and to stand back and say, well, that actually looks good. How much more is he going to do that in us? Yeah. How much more is he going to stand back and look at me and say, well, now I'm happy now, what I've done in whole life. You see, God is not finished in walking in my life. God is not finished in walking in your life. At the moment, we are construction sites. We are very much under construction. See, I can walk into a construction site right now and I can be asked to describe what you see. Tell me what you see. And I look around and I say, well, what a mess. There's nothing here. There's mess. There's holes in the ground. There's mountains of muck. There's mountains of gravel. There's big vehicles. There's diggers. There's noisy trucks. There's scaffoldings. There's, it's just untidy. It's just dirty. It's just dirty tools left lying around. It's just a dangerous place. And I don't really want to be here. I can't make out where the starting point of the construction is. And I can't make out where the ending point of the construction is. I can't really make out what the construction is going to be. I can guess it might be a block of offices, it might be apartments, but I can't actually say what it is going to be. All I see is dirt and chaos, dangerous, hazardous place. I can't imagine what it's going to look like. But you see, if I bring the architect with me and I say, describe to me what you see, his vision is going to be so much different than mine. You see, the architect can see past the dirt. He sees past the mess. He sees past all the large machinery. What he sees is a beautiful sight. Because he can see the finished result. He can see exactly where the construction began. And he can see exactly where it's going to end. To him, this construction site is so beautiful. Despite the noise, despite the dirt despite the chaos you see he knows the progress and he knows the process that's going to take place he sees a beautiful creative artistic building that it is before it's even completed he sees it before he sees it he sees the work standing complete and finished before it's actually completed and finished and this reminds me of um, the scene in you know, the film The Shack. You know when Mac gets brought into the garden and he's with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit is saying um, we're going to dig up the garden and do the flowers and Mac is like, this is a mess. Like, there's nothing but weeds and overgrown things. This is a mess. But the Holy Spirit said, yes Mac it is. But it's a beautiful mess. Because they represented him. It represented his heart. It was a mess. But God was in the process of walking. So it was a beautiful mess. You see, I'm like that construction site. Or I'm like that messy garden. I still have pieces that need to be cut away from me. I still have weeds that need to be removed. I'm a work in progress. And I know that God is no way finished with me yet. There's a lot more hammering and drilling and removing and building up. A lot more sanding down, smoothing off, weeding, raking, digging. That has to be done in my life. But I am confident, and I know that in my heart, that one day I will stand before the Father 
as a finished piece of yes, beauty. Yes. You see, you too will stand before the Father as a finished piece of beauty because he's not finished with you yet. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter where you are right now, he is not finished with you yet. Amen. And he is not finished with our church. Just look where we are, look where we're moving to regarding home church. He's not finished. There's so much more work that he has to do in us, with us and through us. And I'm so grateful that the Lord doesn't leave things half done. I'm so grateful that Jesus didn't go to the cross and think, oh, here, I'm out here. There's no way I'm going through that torture just for them. But he went to the cross. He took every single whip, every slap, every punch. He took on every bit of abuse, every bit of humiliation. He took it all until it was time to say, it's finished. Amen. It's finished. Thank you, Jesus. You see, the very moment we receive Jesus into our hearts, the very moment that we turn to him, that's when God begins to walk in our lives. See, Paul tells us in verse 5, I'm so grateful for our partnership that began from the first time that I shared the gospel with you. And you accept, paraphrasing, you accepted and received Christ in your heart. From that moment on, the Father began to do an amazing work. And he will complete it. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, this person is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. The old is gone and the new has come. Because of Jesus, God forgave our sins. Because of Jesus, God comes to live in our lives, in us, with us, among us. We are now adopted into his family. We are now his son or his daughter. We're a new life, a new direction, a new purpose and a new dream. And we don't have to worry and think, how am I going to get to that end result? We don't have to panic. How, how do I get this work completed in me? We don't have to stress. I don't know how to change. I don't know what to change. We don't have to make ourselves sick, worrying. How do I stop running back to my old ways? How will I become more like Jesus? All we have to do is believe and trust that God has us. He has us. And that his promise is to complete the task. And we are his task. We are his workmanship. He loves us way too much not to leave us the way we are. He wants us to be fulfilled. He wants us to live a life where every blessing that he has for us. He wants us to be confident that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And that what he has done before, he will definitely do again. He wants us to know that the power of his word still stands to the test of time. And what he said he will do, he will do. Amen. 1 Chronicles 28.20 David also said to Solomon his son, Be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. David is actually talking about a building, a temple building. And he's saying to Solomon, don't be afraid. God is going to be with you until that building is actually built completely, everything in place. And if he's able to say that about a building... And if Jesus tells us that we are actually a temple 
of the Holy Spirit, then how much more should we not be afraid? How much more should we not fear that God is going to fail us or forsake us? If David was confident enough to tell Solomon, don't be afraid, God is with you until the building is done. How much more is he going to be with us until the building inside of us is is done? Until this temple is completed? You see, God will stay with us every step of the way until he puts the finishing touch. I love that. The finishing touch. Think of something you've ever worked on. Maybe a painting or a piece of art. Maybe decorating a room. Maybe you do knitting or embroidery or gardening. And you look back, you get it done, completed, and you step back and look and well. You have this sense of accomplishment. You have this sense of pride. You show it to all your family members. You put it up on Instagram and Facebook. You get all the likes and all the comments. And you feel, well, I've achieved that. You see, when the Father looks for us, that's the same for him. He tells all of heaven, look at my daughter. Look what I've just done in her life. Look at my son. Look how proud I am of him. Look what he has accomplished through me. You see, if we are able to get excited about objects, how much more does the Father get excited over us? Yes, we are a construction site or we're a messy garden, but God knows what we need. And he, if we allow him, he will bring the work to completion. See, when Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, it wasn't to pull them down. It wasn't to say... Look at the mess you've made. It wasn't to say, oh my goodness, you haven't even completed that yet. You're still a mess. He said, I thank God for you. I thank God for you for staying faithful. I thank God that you allowed him to put you on the potter's wheel and you allowed him walk you. You see, Paul is encouraging them. From the day you turned to Jesus, the Father began. His beautiful grace, his love, his forgiveness, his redemption, his salvation, his mercy has all been planted within your heart. And it's been watered day by day by day by the Holy Spirit. You see, the work will not be completed until we're face to face with the Father. We'll never be perfect until we're face to face with him. Like why? Why do we have to wait that long? Because we wouldn't be able, our brains, our hearts, our bodies wouldn't be able to take all the work together. You know, when you plant flowers, you plant them in a pot and they're only little things. And they take time to grow. If you're baking, you go into the kitchen, you don't just say, I'm going to bake a cake and walk out and the cake is done. You have to do a process. You have to get all the ingredients together. It takes time. And it's the same with us. Mags with baby down there. Imagine him walking in. And sitting up the front and having a conversation with you. Imagine him being able to go out and go to the bathroom on his own. Imagine him being able to dress himself and put himself to bed and get himself up in the morning. Mags would probably love that. But we'd be all thinking, oh my God, that's weird. Look at him. You see, it's a process. We have to learn. We have to grow. We have to mature. And when God is doing a walk in our lives, it doesn't always mean that it's hard work. It doesn't always mean that it's a heart surgery, that we need something taken out of our hearts. Although when he is doing a heart surgery, it's gentle. He just removes the hurt and the pain. But God does a walk in us to strengthen us, to equip us, that we can actually stand against the enemy of our soul. 
You see, when he does a work on us, it's also a building and a strengthening up and increasing of our faith. It's removing of doubt and fear and it's establishing us in the kingdom. Did you ever walk by a construction site and think, that looks really well? It begins to take shape and you drive by a few days later and the windows are smashed and it's all vandalised. There's damage done to the site, the equipment is destroyed, there's spray paint everywhere. See, that's what happens when we get hurt. When something smears our heart, when something rips us apart, we feel like that construction site. We feel damaged, we feel down, we feel hurt. But you see, with the construction site, the workers come back, they replace the windows, they remove the spray paint, they fix up all the damage, they don't just say, well, look, that had been wrecked, so I think we're going to have to leave that there now. And nothing else can be done. They fix it up. And that's what Paul is telling us here. That he who began the work, the work that he began in you from the first day, he's never going to leave it unfinished. He's always going to do it. So if you feel, I've messed up, I've stopped allowing God working in me, maybe you jumped off the potter's wheel. You know, you can get back on. Maybe you stop believing that God can use you or wants to use you. Maybe you allowed fear rain or unbelief into your heart. Maybe you're going through a storm and you feel like you're sinking. You see, the Father can and wants to work it out in you. And today is the day where we put that right. Today is the day that we come back to him and we say, Lord, come and continue to work. You know, I spoke with a girl the other night and she told me, I was shocked actually. She told me, any time God is doing anything in my heart, I don't go to church. What? No, I have to be on my own with God. No, you don't. No, you have to be in church when God is working on you. Because you need your brothers and sisters to help you through. You see, the enemy wants you on your own. The enemy wants you isolated. And that's when he gets in and gets you. So when God is working, whether it's a building or healing, whatever he's doing, we need to be in fellowship with one another. Imagine when we're completed and Jesus returns for his bride. Imagine that we stand glorified in the presence of God. Imagine the walk is perfect. We are completed in every way, shape and form. This beautiful child will stand before the Father that he has created and destined me to be. Psalm 138 You keep every promise you've ever made to me. Since your love for me is constant and endless, I ask you, Lord, to finish every good thing that you've begun in me. You see, we're under construction, but it's a beautiful construction. We're a messy garden, but it's a beautiful messy garden. And he who began the good work will, believe me, he will carry it to completion. You know, when I, when I die, this is something for you, John, if I die first. When I die, on my headstone, I want to be written on it. She ran the race. And the work is completed. Amen. The work is completed because when I die, I'm going home to the Father. And the yes. work will be completed. Imagine that being a conversation piece. Imagine family coming and saying, what does that mean? The work is completed and you get to share. You see, God's done a work in her life. Paul says, I pray with great faith for you because I'm fully convinced that the one who began this glorious work in you 
will faithfully continue the process of maturing you and will put his finishing touches to it until the unveiling of our Lord Jesus. Wherever, wherever you are at today, whether you feel you're on the mountain, in the valley, or halfway between somewhere, be confident of this, that he will put his finishing touch to your life. We're just going to go into a song. We just stand. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every piece of work that you've done in my life, in our lives, O God. And Father, we just come before you today, O God, and Father, we just, Lord, we surrender our lives. We surrender ourselves back unto you and say, come, Lord, and continue the work. The work that you've once started, continue it in our lives, O God. We bless you, Jesus.